If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everybody? Matt Kajewski here. Back again with the Osmo Fantasy Football YouTube channel. And as always, I am here with Nick Lepre. He is on Twitter at Notorious Fantasy. I am on Twitter at Matt underscore Gajeski. And we have a hot topic for you guys today. We are going to be talking trap players. Players that are going off the board with relatively decent ADPs that you might want to consider avoiding. And we'll get into all that in a second. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm having an excellent day so far, even though I've only been up for like 30 minutes. I'm having a great day so far, and I'm very excited to talk about this topic because there's a lot of players right now that based upon where they're going right now in the draft, it feels like a big trap that you're falling into. Yeah, and these are fun discussions to have, especially with you. We, we've talked about a lot of these players, and I know we're going to be on opposite sides of some of them, and I've already made some adjustments in my rankings based on some of the conversations we've had, so I'm excited for this discussion. But before we get started, make sure to hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, and hit the notification bell so you know when this and all other content goes live. And when we talk about ADPs today, just for your reference, we are talking about underdog ADP. Might be a little different in your league, but that is what we will be using for a reference. What do you say we get into this? Let's do it. All right. So we're going to kick this off with one of your players. We're going to alternate back and forth. And a player you highlighted as a potential trap at their ADP is wide receiver DJ Moore. On Underdog Fantasy, he is currently coming off the board as the wide receiver 17. His ADP is 37.1, so he's pretty squarely a third-round pick, which seems reasonable for a guy that has basically been nothing but a 1,000-yard receiver throughout his career. The concerns are the entire offense. It's basically, there's a chance DJ Moore is on the single worst offense in the NFL, <laughs> They haven't been able to address the quarterback position. They've kind of had to kick that down the down the way, maybe to potential years in the future. So it looks like it's going to be Sam Darnold again. Not good for DJ Moore. So talk to me about this player and why he might be a trap. Yeah, and DJ Moore, really the negativity towards him from me really has nothing to do with him, right? I really think that DJ Moore is a really good player. And maybe you give him a quarterback or just take him catapult him to a different offense then bam maybe dj Moore really could be a top 12 wide receiver but i feel like every single year we are doing this mental gymnastics to talk ourselves into dj Moore, talk ourselves into this panthers offense and it never works now dj Moore is a fantastic player right last year he was amazing he had 162 targets which ranked sixth at wide receiver he was getting 9.5 targets per game he had a lot of receptions well 93 receptions top 12 at wide receiver he had 1,100-plus receiving yards, top 10 at wide receiver. The biggest issue for DJ Moore 
every single year, it's always the same thing. It's the touchdown total. In his rookie year in 2018, he scores two touchdowns. And then from 2019 to 2021, he scored four touchdowns every season. Now, it is very hard to project touchdowns year in and year out for a lot of players. But there are some players who are pretty stagnant, right? There's some guys who are basically always scoring nine-plus touchdowns. And then there's some guys that aren't going to be scoring a lot of touchdowns, like DJ Moore and Julio Jones. I just don't see him cracking the eight-nine touchdown total. If he does, then wow, he is a top-12 receiver. But I just don't really see it. So I think that people right now, where you're drafting him at wide receiver 17, you almost have to assume he does have that top-12 potential. And for me, I just don't really see it, sadly. I, I think he has it, but it would... I think it would be an anomaly if he reaches it, right? It would have to be a lot of him creating on his own because the quarterback certainly isn't going to be creating for him. There's a couple other concerns. He's basically played the last two years without Christian McCaffrey, who is a hundred target player in his own right when healthy. And he's also a player that offers a few more easy targets for the quarterback to complete. We see this with players like Jared Goff. They're always trying to take what's underneath and available to them, the easy targets. And Christian McCaffrey certainly provides that. So I guess I'm okay with DJ Moore at this ADP, but I do agree with you. You're drafting him closer to his ceiling compared to his floor. And to your point on touchdowns, this isn't a team that's going to be scoring a lot. So I think at the end of the day, it would also be an anomaly if he scores, you know, like six plus touchdowns here too. They just shouldn't be in the red zone as much as some other teams. Anything else to add? Yeah, and also the fact that he got so many targets and all that, he wasn't really efficient at all last year. Yards per route run, he was 26th. Yards per target, 72nd. Catch rate, 81st. True catch rate, 70th. Dominator rating, he was pretty dominant, I guess, for the amount of targets that he got. He was top 12, but his separation wasn't very good. His average cushion wasn't very good. His contested catch rate is awful, 66th. So I'm just not very confident in DJ Moore this year, even though I like the player himself, just just the team around him. I I do think some of that is, is our boy Sam Darnold. But to your point... Could be a lot better, but receiver I want to talk about who I think is very overrated right now and a player that maybe is a trap is Juju Smith-Schuster. Now, you're towing a a fine line here because he's playing with Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, who has propelled some less than exciting prospects into fantasy relevance. So that is a worry here for me with Juju, but ultimately he's coming off the board at wide receiver 29. That's an ADP of 57.7. And the reason I'm concerned is you have to draft him One, he's going off the board just behind Cooks, but he's also going ahead of Darnell Mooney, Elijah Moore, Drake London, Amon Ross St. Brown, even Michael Thomas, and we know he's mostly injury-related, his concerns, but those are all players I want more than Juju Smith-Schuster. One, he's a player who hasn't produced in any of the last three years, and he's actually been on a career decline if you look at the trajectory of everything from yards per route run and all of the efficiency production metrics, but he's also a player that didn't receive a contract that looks like a starter. If you you even compare him yeah. to a player like Russell Gage, Russell Gage is going to be getting paid around $30 million over his contract with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Juju Smith-Schuster is getting paid like a player that could potentially be cut in this offense. <laughs> so I just don't understand the ADP right now at 57.7. I understand the upside, but it comes down to I would rather have other players in this range than Juju. What do you think about him with the Chiefs? Yeah, I think that Juju could easily be the number one receiver on this team in terms of targets, and he could easily also be number three or number four. Travis Kelsey is just a just going to be seeing a lot of targets on this team. I think Travis Kelsey is going to be the most targeted player on this team at the end of the season. They have a couple other pieces as well, 
And like you said, to me, it's not really an argument against really Juju. I think he could be the guy, but it's really about the players going around him that I'm super confident. We've talked about Darnell Mooney. I am very confident Darnell Mooney. I like guys going even maybe a round or two later more than Juju Smith-Schuster. So based upon where he's going right now, I just cannot feel confident paying the price for a guy that, again, I'm not even super comfortable saying he is the number one guy on his own team. And like you said, he is on a career decline, right? At one point in 2018, it looked like, wow, this guy is Antonio Brown 2.0. The Steelers did it again. He is going to be this amazing player. And, you know, he has dealt with injuries. So maybe you can kind of discount that a little bit, but he hasn't lived up to that hype just yet. And now it's 2022. Like you said, he hasn't really been all that great since 2018. I'm just passing on Juju Smith-Schuster. And if you want guys on the Chiefs, just wait until later and throw your dart throws with some of their other later players uh, on the Chiefs, especially guys like that we both like, like CEH. That is how I am viewing it, too. I think he is certainly a trap at this ADP when you can get players with similar projections much later. But let's go back to a player you wanted to talk about. This is a trap towards the top of drafts, and it's Javante Williams, Denver Broncos running back. He is getting drafted way higher than we saw last year. And the situation hasn't changed all that much. Melvin Gordon is still there. The only difference we have here, well, one, Russell Wilson comes in, but you have a different coaching staff. So the hope with Javante is maybe this coaching staff views him differently, and it's not the 50-50 timeshare we saw last year. That is still a projection. And when you're looking at his ADP, right now Javante Williams is RB14, ADP of 27.3. So he's going in the second round of a lot of drafts. And he's coming off the board ahead of James Conner, Ezekiel Elliott, Travis Etienne, Cam Akers, Brees Hall, players with considerable projections right behind him. I understand the concerns, but talk to me a little bit about Javante. Yeah, Javante Williams ADP is rising right now. He was going closer to 22 last month. Now he's at pick 27 plus, like you said. See, look, I I think Javante Williams, again, it sucks because when I make fun of these guys, not really make fun of these guys, I talk negatively about them. It's not because I think Javante Williams is some terrible running back, this guy that could not eventually be a top 12 running back. I think he can. But right now, there's a reason why they brought Melvin Gordon back, right? This regime brought Melvin Gordon back. It's not that Melvin Gordon was just stuck to the team. So my thoughts here is that Melvin Gordon is still going to be involved. Will it be 50-50? Probably not. Maybe it'll be 60-40. But is that enough to derail what Javante Williams could do? In my opinion, yes. Melvin Gordon is not necessarily Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara level pass catching running back, but he could vulture away some targets as well. And I'm going to be very worried that he is going to vulture away a decent amount of touchdowns like he did last year. Maybe Javante Williams runs 60 yards and they're on the five yard line. They take Williams out. They throw Melvin Gordon in. He barrels his way on in there. So my concerns about Javante Williams, again, has nothing to do with Williams, has everything to do with Melvin Gordon. And I think even with a new regime there, even with Russell Wilson, we are going to be seeing something similar to last year. And people be very disappointed that they drafted Javante Williams so highly. If Melvin Gordon gets hurt, then I'm going to completely change my opinion on this. But right now, Melvin Gordon's healthy, and there's no reason to believe he's some injury-prone player. So I am ba basically completely out on Javante Williams. I haven't drafted him a single time. I will have him a little bit, and I largely agree with you. I think I'm just like a tad more optimistic, and it's because there's the chance that maybe he is like a Jonathan Taylor-level player. Or he's tough yeah. to compare somebody to, but you understand. Like maybe he's a an elite talent, and he just can siphon off more of the work because of that raw talent with an aging Melvin Gordon. 
But when you talk about fantasy football drafts and best ball drafts, when I look at the player going in his range, receivers dropping off so fast at this range of drafts, I'm just trying to get players like A.J. Brown, T. Higgins, Keenan Allen instead of Javante Williams. And then a round or two later, you can follow it up with Travis Etienne, who has a similar workload projection, or Cam Akers, or whoever the running back of choice is for you. So ultimately, it comes down to I like my teams a lot more when I end up with, let's say, A.J. Brown and Travis Etienne versus getting a Javante Williams and a Jerry Judy. I feel a lot better about that, or like a Javante Williams and a Terry McLaurin. Would you feel, would you agree with that? Oh yeah, I 100% agree with that. I think there's a couple of running backs that are falling to the fourth, fifth round that probably should not be there. And then there's also a couple of running backs in the third round range that probably should be going a little bit lower. Saquon Barkley is another one of those guys that we're not talking about in today's video, but I'm still not that sold on. <laughs> I like Barkley too, but it's uh, the same old adage, hate the ADP, not the player. But exactly. speaking of these ADPs, and we're talking about underdog a lot here. So it's time to talk about our primary sponsor of this video, Underdog Fantasy. They're the best place to play fantasy over the summer months. And they just unveiled Best Ball Mania 3, which is a tournament that has a $10 million prize pool. And it's extremely easy. All you have to do is draft your team. There's no waivers. There's no trades. There's no in-season management at all. Underdog is just going to give you your best score every single week of the year. And then at the end of the season, the team with the highest score wins. Last year's Best Ball Mania Championship team was drafted in June, so there's no time to wait. Better yet, Underdog, they're going to double your first deposit up to $100 when you use the promo code AWESOMO. That's good for four entries into the Best Ball Mania 3. All you have to do is head to underdog.com, look in the app store, or even just click the link in this video description and then sign up with the promo code AWESOMO. Let's go to another player here. This is a player I want to talk about, and we'll stick with the running back position. It's A.J. Dillon, and similar to your argument with Javante Williams, I don't hate A.J. Dillon as a player at all. In fact, I actually kind of like him. He's on a team that should be running the ball a little bit more. They're a team very much built for the run at this point, playing for Green Bay. But A.J. Dillon has an exorbitant ADP, in my opinion, 73.8, RB25. He's coming off the board ahead of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Miles Sanders, Kenneth Walker, Tony Pollard, Cordero Patterson. Now, a lot of those names aren't the sexiest, but they are players that have a chance, some of them at least, to take a three-down role and a pass-catching role. A.J. Dillon isn't going to have that. That's going to be Aaron Jones' role. So at best, you're looking at a player with a two-down early grinder role. And then I've seen the argument that he could handle goal line touches, but that's not been his role in the NFL. If you look at red zone and goal line touches, especially last year, Aaron Jones was still heavily involved there. Red zone carries, Aaron Jones had 32, A.J. Dillon had 39. For red zone targets, Aaron Jones had 15, A.J. Dillon had five. So even if you look at the scoring position for the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Jones is still ahead of A.J. Dillon. So to me, unless there's an injury to Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon just simply isn't reaching the same ceiling as players like Clyde Edwards-Slayer and Miles Sanders. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, A.J. Dillon is the backup. Clyde Edwards-Slayer is the starter. Miles Sanders is the starter, should be the number one guy, at least going into the season. I know that unless Aaron Jones gets hurt, A.J. Dillon is not going to be the starter. And with all those red zone touches that you're bringing up, maybe we see even less red zone touches this year because maybe that Devontae Adams trade really does hurt the Packers. Now, I'm not here to tell you that's exactly what's going to happen, right? But I'm telling you that there's a chance that that happens and maybe they're getting a little bit less red zone work and that is going to immensely deflate the value that A.J. Dillon has. 
I am also with you heavily on Aaron Jones. Now, I don't have him ranked as high as you do, but I do strongly believe that he could be a top five back in fantasy football. And I do believe that he's going to be seeing a lot of opportunity on this team, especially with Devontae Adams gone. So I just don't understand the ADP of A.J. Dillon. I didn't understand it last year. So I'm just back on in the same standpoint. I mean, he was not getting drafted this high last year, but he's probably in the exact same situation. And now he's getting drafted 20 picks higher. It just doesn't all add up in my opinion. What is the difference between AJ Dillon and Gus Edwards? Like uh, here's team, he, I guess team maybe, but I think b- both these teams have near double digit win totals. So the Packers are at 11. I believe the Ravens are at nine and a half. That's, that's not like, we're talking about the Detroit Lions level win total. So it's a good team, the Ravens. They're a run heavy team and they're going to use two backs, probably in a similar, like close to a 50 50 split or a 60 40 split, something in that range. That's exactly what AJ Dillon is in. Now, there might not be as many targets for running backs in the Ravens offense, but we're talking about a difference of nearly 100 picks in ADP yeah. with a back whose best case scenario is an injury, which is the same with Gus Edwards. I mean, they are standalone backs in the fact that he's out there for maybe 12 to 15 touches a game but he still doesn't have that upside without an injury. And I think we can say the same thing about Edwards. So to me, it's just laughable that they're going that far apart. I think they should be far closer together. Yeah. And I think also the thing with Edwards is he's also coming off of an injury, but Dylan is definitely much better pass catching. That's the only really argument you can have towards really loving Dylan much more than Edwards. Yeah. He's a, a year removed now from the injury. I don't know. The ADP no, is ridiculous in my opinion, but this is not a Gus Edwards show. Let's go to the final player you want to talk about. We have, we have a pair of tight ends here. We'll start with yours. It is TJ Hawkinson, Detroit Lions tight end. He was a former first-round pick, and I don't think he's quite lived up to that at this point in his career, but he still is being drafted sort of like it. He's tight in seven coming off the board right now, ADP of 84.4. That's just ahead of Dallas Goddard, Dawson Knox, Zach Ertz, Gronk, who is a little bit of a different circumstance, but... Yeah. It's still some pretty decent capital for Hawkinson in fantasy football this year. So talk to me about this player and why he might be a trap. Yeah, so I'd basically bet my entire bank account that he's going to finish as a top 10 tight end in fantasy football. I just don't know that at tight end seven, he really has the upside to be a top five guy, right? When I'm drafting a guy inside the top 10 at the tight end position, my assumption is maybe I don't have them ranked inside the top five, right? Because the top five is pretty solid for me, right? There are a clear top five, but I think maybe this guy, say, say in my opinion, maybe Dallas Goddard could crack the top five, right? Dallas Goddard is going to potentially be getting a lot more targets this year. Maybe they like to pass a little bit more and boom, you can talk yourself into Goddard. You talk yourself into Dalton Schultz, but can you talk yourself into a Detroit Lions tight end finishing inside the top five, a guy that isn't notoriously scoring a lot of touchdowns, And now they have a little bit more weapons than they had last season, right? Last year, basically all year long until the end of the season, they're searching for that number one wide receiver. There's guys like Josh Reynolds out there, and they have no idea what's happening. Now they have, obviously, a Monroe St. Brown, who looks like he could be the clear number one on the team. They have DJ Chark. They draft a receiver in the first round. So now we are in a scenario where there's a lot more cooks in the kitchen, in my opinion, for TJ Hawkinson. So I'm just not as confident anymore in him. I still think that he is a great player. I'm just not sold on him going as tight end number seven. I think he should be going slightly later. And just for that reason alone, I don't feel confident really with him at his ADP. Yeah, I think for me, it comes down to it's largely the same offense. You have Jared Goff still under center. He's not going to be the most efficient player in this offense. And now you're just bringing in such an influx of talent. Amon Ross St. Brown really ascended. 
down the stretch last year. Yeah. Jamison Williams will be healthy at some point. DJ Chark is a field stretcher. So where does Hawkinson fit in? Last year, he had 84 targets and, and somewhat limited season for him. So I, that's probably around, if you look at like just like targets per game, he's probably going to be in the same range, but I think the efficiency is going to be a little bit reduced here. So we're in agreement here with Hawkinson. And to me, it's another one of those situations where even if he is a top 10 tight end, if I can get Ertz or Knox later, those are just players I would rather have, or Gronk for that matter. Anything else to say? Yeah, exactly. That's kind of my point as well, is that you need to just wait in this scenario. You're almost in, there's no tight end dead zone, but there almost is, right? With a guy like Hawkinson, who I am just not loving. I think he's a good player. I think he, I just don't see him finishing in the top five. That's really it. And the last player I want to talk about is Dawson Knox at the tight end position. I want to lay this argument out carefully. Knox is a player in best ball. I am still trying to stay at least on par with the field with because of his attachment to Josh Allen in the bills widely expected to be among the top three, if not the best offense in football, but there are concerns limiting me. And that's why I don't want to get over the field and exposure. First of all, let's look at his ADP. Dawson Knox is coming off the board. 102.6 tight end nine. That's ahead of Ertz and Gronk. And then some interesting flyers like Fryermuth, And you can go even later with guys like Gerald Everett attached to good teams. But ultimately, when this comes down to Knox in 2022, I think his ADP is still being driven largely off last year's production. Now, he's a player that wasn't very good. Yards per route run, he was at 1.2. That was 17th among qualified tight ends. He was really driven by the efficiency of the offense, which we expect to remain consistent. However, OJ Howard is now entering the offense. When you look at Dawson Knox in prior seasons, he was used pretty firmly in timeshares. It's just injury and some efficiency stats really forced them into Dawson Knox into a full-time role last year. So that raises at least enough of a question where if Dawson Knox is going to be in any sort of timeshare, he might not live up to his ADP because we do now have a lot of incoming talent coming into this offense. So to me, it's enough of a concern to at least not be overweight on the field. What do you make of Knox this year? I know you were pretty high on him initially. Yeah, I'm still pretty high on him because my belief is a little bit different. Basically, the only reason why I like him more than you do, my only assumption is that I think that O.J. Howard is not going to be cutting in as much as you do. Obviously, the Bills have history of guys cutting in, if you know what I'm saying. Shout out to O.J. Howard, not O.J. Howard, O.J. Simpson. I thought that was a funny joke, but I fucked it up. It, it would Actually, the, the setup was really good, but the, the swing, it was a swing and a miss. But at the end of the day, I do think that Dawson Knox is going to be the clear number one guy there if he isn't then I'm going to look stupid and you are going to be 100% correct and you are correct for fading him. The reason why his numbers were so good last year were because of the touchdowns. He was very reliant on scoring touchdowns. He was top two in terms of touchdowns. 18.4% of the time, the ball was thrown to Dawson Knox. He scores a touchdown. Can you expect that to happen year in and year out? Probably not. But the fact that he is just hooked on touch, drop my phone, one of the best offenses in the NFL you just got to go ahead and, in my opinion, bite the bullet here and draft Dawson Knox. I do see top five potential with him as long as O.J. Howard doesn't really carve into that playing time. Yeah, and I mean, to your point, O.J. Howard's kind of on like a flyer deal. It's it's guaranteed for only $3.2 million, which, which isn't great, but ultimately it's like a flyer on a really athletic player who's been largely limited by injuries. And then there's not really targets available. So they have 193 vacated targets, but zero of those come at the tight end position. So unless they start using a lot more to tight end, I think you could see the targets drop a little bit for Knox. But ultimately, I'm still not completely fading him. I'm just trying to be 
either a little bit underweight or on par with the field because just because this is an offense you can't you can't fade no matter who it is on the field but any last words here for the people yeah, real quick for Dawson Knox, if you look at his workout metrics, he is a pretty athletic player, and that is also kind of the reason why I like him, right? He ran a 4.64 40-yard dash, nothing crazy, right? But that's 85th percentile, 86th percentile speed score, 78th percentile catch radius. So he's a player that is pretty athletic at the end of the day, even though he looks like he's 12 years old in his picture on player profiler. That's not what he looks like at all anymore, I don't think. <laughs> so. No, I, I agree with you, but ultimately that'll do it for us today. Thank you guys for watching. Hit the thumbs up button on the way out and make sure to leave a comment. Let us know what you think about our trap players or if there's a player that we missed that you think is really dangerous for this upcoming 2022 season. Let us know. Until then, he is Nick Lepper. You can follow him on Twitter at Notorious Fantasy. I am Matt Kajeski. You can follow me at Matt underscore Kajeski. Thank you guys for watching and we will see you again next time. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.